0: Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Bad Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating
1: to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good.
0: In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that believes piercing a Capri Sun packet without damaging it is indeed resume worthy. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we continue our mirthful month of laughter as we sink our teeth into one of the best vampiric horror comedies from 1985, and it's not the one you're thinking of, let's all bite the buttons off of Jim Carrey's Once Bitten. And whether you are a mature person or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your ice cream truck hole. <laughs> and you can follow the laughter on social media. We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on the Book of Face that we have an events tab, which again leads to
1: shenanigans, cyber shenanigans.
0: And as this episode is going to release on Friday, May 15th, The following Saturday on the 23rd, we are going to have another Shudder shout-out double feature. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, what is the Shudder shout-out double feature, Genius? It is dope. What we do is we have a little pre-recorded video with cool trailers and stuff that you watch. You go to Shudder and you watch two awesome Shudder movies. And then you come back and you see us do our little yakety-schmack with uh, all the cool movies that you just finished watching. Absolutely. It's basically the... We're basically
0: hosting films... In your home. Right. And then you get a video version of the podcast.
1: It's time we're home.
0: (laughs) And you don't have to be a stranger at all. In fact, to join these kind of shenanigans and more, all you need to do is join our Screenland film family. And you can do that at patreon.com slash screenland. Mm -hmm. And not only will you get access to uh, the exclusive pre-show trailers, the intro discussion that we do... That is just the tip of the tier.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so much good stuff with the virtual screening rooms and, like, other commentaries and things besides just us yakking oh, and yeah. smacking. So, again, like, we're
0: trying to sell it. So, we right, want to make right. sure. There's a lot
1: more. There, like Billy Mays, but wait, there's more. So, like, yeah, definitely. All that good stuff you want.
0: Well, and you mentioned the virtual screening room. Uh, ScreenlandOnline.com gives you access to a plethora of genre films that you would be able to see at Screenland. So, again, if you don't want to be a film fam, Film family supporter through Patreon, you want to see some films, that is the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. And while we're speaking of Screenland, huge congratulations to them.
1: Absolutely. Surpassing their goal, congratulations. And that's a testament to everybody who donated their time or their money or anything to it. Because, yeah, that was an important cause. And I'm glad they did
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. So those that may not know... Uh, they put together a 12-hour live streaming telethon mm-hmm. to raise money for Screenland, which hats off to Adam, Jake, Abby, Ash, Jenny, everyone, like you said, that contributed. Uh, they were able to raise so much. Fun. So that just shows you that people still care about the
1: theatrical experience. Yeah, it was rad. And I think you can still see some of it. Like, if you go, and you can see clips and parts of it.
0: And we were fortunate enough to partake. We brought back the Game of Games! We are able to definitely test people's horror metal, but ultimately, a huge thanks to everyone that contributed Mm -hmm. to the telethon everyone that is out there in the film family it was a
1: lot of fun but i'll be honest sunday i was worth shit like the next day i was like oh i'm exhausted
0: well i'm not afraid to admit i definitely shed a tear at the end of the night knowing the hard work that was involved and then ultimately the fact that people came together like that it was just so Mm -hmm. freaking wonderful it was really nice it was really special it was beyond beyond phenomenal but while we're talking about film family and patreon of course, here in the month of May, we've started launching our exclusive Patreon content. Patreon Ballies We're only 200 some odd episodes in before we decide to launch. Uh, but as part of being part of our Patreon film family, again, you can go to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead, uh, but we like to give a little shout out to mm-hmm. the people that are contributing. And it's very rare when I can actually point to the exact date when I met someone. And as it turns out, this... Member of our film family, the shout out is very new to the family. <laughs> so let's all go back, all of us here, to, a, to what seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah. But the specific date is Friday, March 13th. <laughs> diddle-doo, diddle-doo. <laughs> Mama. <laughs> Mama. <laughs> and we flash back. Number one, that was just beyond a wonderful weekend because I had the chance in the theater at Screenland mm-hmm. to see. Friday the 13th. mm mm-hmm. um, Batman from 1989, which... that would have been rad. That would have been rad. The the theater needed an enema. Um, the first power yeah. that we did for Monday Mystery Movie
1: Night. Mm-hmm. And a little film called Swallow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, which if you're one of our Patreon pallies, you can hear what we have to say, well, uh, the divisive things we have to say.
0: And actually, this person that we're going to give a shout out to should know exactly that because
1: They're there.
0: she was at that particular street. So let us paint a picture here. You know us. We like to get there early, find a good spot in the back. Get ready for the previews. All the good stuff. Oh, yeah. And sure enough, another film nerd came in really early as well. And I'm there with my food. Now, if I remember right, if, uh, I believe Miss Emma talked to you
1: initially, correct? I think because she recognized my You're... laugh. Yes, that's... I think because like, I said something and was like, ha, ha, ha. And she goes, I know that laugh. And it's, <laughs> so we're
0: indeed giving a Patreon Pally shout out to Emma Kastopoulos. Mm-hmm. And it turns out we always say that it's so weird when we meet someone in the wild, so to speak. Right. That we don't know That's
1: not the, re- like the regular dirty dozen we, the, the ones we know
0: Yeah the people that listen to our show So it's mm-hmm. always surprising And it was wonderful um, And so we were just like of course Oh my god thank you for listening I can't wait to see this film um, And so you know again Emma is definitely going to be knowledgeable In terms of how she reacted ultimately yeah. um, But another thing I want to kind of give her a shout out to Is she's also a writer And you can read a lot of her work Over at nerdsalad.wordpress.com a uh, number of topics from like video games to movies, and she has a recent post that is all about. Uh, she went through ScreenlandOnline.com and started viewing and reviewing a lot of the films that are on there. Awesome, including uh, porno. That I also uh, yeah, we'll get to that as well. I saw that reaction, uh, which I had a chance to see here recently I and
1: missed it. I'm kicking myself too because I heard it. I would love it. It's right up your
0: alley Um, But ultimately It's wonderful to see someone So she's obviously Giving and being a member Of the Screenland film family Yeah and the Nightmare Junkhead film family. So, Emma, thank you so much for being part of that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for see, being there that last weekend when yeah. the screens went dark for the most
1: part. Exactly. The nights went out in Georgia.
0: At Screenland, right? Yeah. It, we'll, we'll sing about it all the time. But if you would like a shout out here and get have, have access to extra content, just head on over to patreon.com slash Junkhead. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness, man. So much more housekeeping now that we do that, it, but it is well worth it. Absolutely, trust, us, trust absolutely. Trust So we are continuing our month uh, of horror comedies mm-hmm. where we we need the laughter. I think we would all agree for the most part.
1: Because mm-hmm. you need a little bit of the giggles when you're in quarantine.
0: The giggle mortis, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the first two films that we've talked about already – I don't think for the most part we would have to defend as horror comedies no. um you mentioned a little bit on hatchet 2 where you felt eh, maybe or maybe not but um i think ultimately i kind of had to pull an audible here because i'm gonna have to truly defend the film we're talking about here whether or not it is reprehensible morally potentially we'll get to that
1: the movie comes with the rating of atap another time another place <laughs>
0: From the year of 1985, a controversial choice deserves a controversial guest. And we really couldn't find a controversial guest, so we found the next best thing. And quite honestly, whether or not she is at your film festival or she is just in a Skype window or a Zoom conference, you know it's the place to be, mm-hmm. right?
1: And as you know, it's the front.
0: It's always the front. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead, our favorite blonde in front, Katie Glidewell.
2: Hey, guys. <laughs>
0: power i'm so sorry the worst part of all of this is katie is just waiting there patiently for us to get through all this and she's just uh, you are amazing you have the patience of cropsy and
1: we're over there overture curtain lights this is it
0: (laughs) and for those that can't see this katie is truly in the spirit and right before we started recording i i get it's What you do now in the age of Skyping and uh, the the quarantine is, you know, video or non-video options. And she's immediately like, shit, if I need video, I need a few seconds. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. But when she popped up, I felt like we were at a gala. Like it was incredible. (laughs) Can you describe your hat? I'm not going to say it's a McReady hat, but it's getting there. It's doing something for me.
2: Uh, it's, I would say it's a hat, very rem- reminiscent of American horror story coven. Yes. I was realizing that when I was, um, going somewhere, I'm like, oh, I'm looking very coven in this hat right now. But once you said video, I did a Jane Jetson threw on my other face and put on a different outfit and it's like, all right, let's do this. Oh yeah.
1: Stop this crazy thing. <laughs> No, I, I, I totally get the coven thing because, like, you're totally the supreme. So, always the supreme. Oh,
2: that, you guys, I
0: love you. Oh, uh, <laughs> the love is returned. So, before we start uh, talking the love that a mature people can handle, uh, where, <laughs> where can our listeners find you out on social media? Please plug and promote away.
2: Uh, the Blonde in Front on YouTube, my YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook. I should be, I'm going to be starting, uh, some, a weekly, a subscription or a weekly, uh, um, episode on Curl TV soon. I think hey! once everything is kind of like, you know, calm down with the COVID and whatnot, we're going to get, I'm going to um, be doing that. And yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, and World of Death. I just actually wrote, um, have, uh, wrote reviews for two, uh, uh, shorts on World of Death through Bloody Disgusting for Forever and Perish. So yeah, check those out.
1: Very nice. Fantastic!
0: I like to see that the word is getting out there, ultimately. Um, <laughs> now, as someone whose mainstay is the theatrical experience, being there, how are you dealing with the quarantine right now? I mean, are you... Because, I mean, you're still putting content out.
2: Yeah. I'm still putting content out. It's not the same. Uh, but... You know, the one thing that's been, it's it's hard for me is the, you know, not seeing and meeting people at the festivals and getting that crowd experience when people watch films for the first time, you know, conventions and just seeing my friends and stuff. So I'm doing whatever I can. Uh, you know, I did a post where it's like, hey, you know, raise your hand if you cried on a day that ends in day. And that was me. I did that. Uh, <laughs> and, but... I, the one thing I am very, very glad about, I, you know, my little Nostradamus self on March 15th, I went and saw Jojo Rabbit because it was still in the theater and mm. I wanted to see it in the theater and I just made sure that's like, you know what, I'm going to spend some time here because I have a feeling that I'm not going to be spending some time here. So then I went and saw The Hunt and I saw, <laughs> what else? Did, oh, Onward. So I saw three movies oh,
0: in one day in the
2: theater.
0: That's and that's a I'm that's so a, glad I did. Yeah, and, that's a that's a cinematic journey. Oh my god! Because I was about to go and motion for you to tie your shoes there for Jojo Rabbit, which that of course just you know Niagara Falls, Frankie Junior. But oh, I also yeah. had a chance. I I was able to see the Hunt. I probably two days before that as well, um, mm-hmm. which. I had a blast with it, quite honestly.
2: So did I. So did I. And actually, I'm very upset that they put the delay on it for so long. For when you end up seeing it. It's like, really? I mean...
0: We've all seen, you know, Man is the Most Dangerous Game. We've all been there. And I actually like the fact that, not necessarily a spoiler alert, but the fact that there's a lot of uh, Jay and Silent Bob strikes back in this film that I think they might... (laughs)
1: It's it's and that doesn't give anything away, but it does add like, oh, that's kind of legit. You had my curiosity. Now, you know, you have my attention. Now, you have my curiosity. (laughs) And then you ended everything with Onward, which were you.
0: The tears.
2: I didn't have the tears as much because I kind of figured I honestly sort of uh, I felt like there was way more foreshadowing for a Pixar film. Although you know what, what kind of gave me the tears is Soul. There's, uh, there was a trailer for Soul that's coming out that looks absolutely beautiful. That it's like, well, you might as well just give uh, Kleenex out, like, you know, with the ticket. (laughs) Because come on, Pixar, you bastards that tug at my heart and make me bawl like a baby at these children's films. Damn you. Damn you, animation.
1: (laughs) It's like they hired the old school writers from the Hallmark commercials, not the movies. The commercials, the ones that just like, let's just make you cry as hard as you can. And so like, yeah.
0: Well, they're good that way. They had those little 30-second snippets, and they're just surgeons. I mean, it's the same way And Up, the fact that, that first the first five minutes of that film oh God. is
1: just tragic. Yeah, it is.
2: You want to talk about tragic? Let's talk about that first time I saw that, that I had no clue what it was about. And my sister told me, it's like, yeah, I heard people cry at this. I'm like, that's stupid. This is a cartoon. What are you talking about? And my nephew was four and my other nephew or three. And my other nephew was like a baby Yeah, that's really embarrassing when you're bawling your eyes out in front of toddlers and they're looking at you like, what the F is going on? Right. What is wrong with this adult woman that I love that this is a cartoon I don't get it?
1: You're
0: supposed to model behavior for them, Katie. Come on now.
1: Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Right? Don't you look at me. Like pulling like, like a, like a booth. Frank booth. Yeah. Like a, like a Pixar's yeah. Frank booth. <laughs> well, and
0: you know what the thing- Don't look at me. What kills me, though, is at the very end, when he opens up the book and he expects it to be blank- and then she filled it with just the mundane things, but it was the mundane things that made everything. And, oh, my God, I started crying even l- harder yeah. at that point.
1: It's a cry oh. sandwich, man.
0: It is. Well, um, hopefully, ideally, the reason we watch horror comedies
1: <laughs> is to not. Laugh. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Which leads us back to the year of 1985. And if you look at 85, it is just a wealth
1: a- of riches, man.
0: Outside of even vampire films, we've got everything from Silver Bullet, Uh which
1: we're all huge fans
0: of. We've got Friday the 13th Part 5. Yeah. Uh, We've got always a little bit of love for Roy. But in the world of vampires, we have two of like the all-timers. We've got Tom Holland's Fright Night. For real. For real. (laughs) Yeah. I will... I don't know if we should do our gush fest now for Chris Sarandon, or... Yeah, I know. I don't think the internet can handle that. We'll shut it down.
2: That's a lot. That's a
1: lot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really?
0: But then we also have, from Tobey Huppert, Life Force. Yes! Which is another one, Katie, as well. And that's why you are definitely one of our people, because...
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) If you say Life Force and it causes a reaction like that, then you know... Then you're like, yes, you, you are you were right on. Spot on. When Life Force gives you the vapors, you're yep. one of us. But every day's a Matilda May Day.
0: In nineteen eighty five, we yeah. Now I'm not gonna get creeps and nostalgia here, but have you seen her just as recently? She still looks amazing. No. Yeah.
2: I mean, let me let me tell you, as a female, I I who is very much I like am a very uh, you know, like the like the guys and stuff, but as a female, that that is a woman that could flip me in a heartbeat. I mean, <laughs> and also, and also it's like, damn, how do I, I, how do, it's like as a young child watching that, I'm like, can I look like that Like, what's going on? Like, is this going to happen? No. How do I make that happen? I want to look like that, mommy. I'm like, no, it's not going to happen
0: to me I never thought of the body dysmorphia issues that could come from that, because I was kind of in the same boat where I was like, man, I wish I could look like that too, but for totally different reasons, of course. I
1: was in a totally different world too. I was like, hey, I'm on to be a vampire. <laughs>
0: but that is a roundabout way of saying 1985 gave us two a of A lot the, of
1: vampire sex!
0: And two of the all-time sexy vampire flicks, which leads us to the film we're talking about, and ultimately, one of the rare- PG 13 films that we really talk here on the show. Mm-hmm. And it's the Lost Vampire film from 1985. We're talking Once Bitten. Once Bitten.
1: There we go. Once Bitten. Hard Bodies.
0: Stop it. Stop it. You're not making that a thing, damn it. We'll get to the connection potentially of Hard Bodies. But this is ultimately a movie that definitely gets forgotten, either in the horror comedy vein the vampire vein. And I would even say Jim
1: Carrey vein, because like, you're like, Oh, Jim Carrey made a, Jim Carrey made a vampire movie. You know, like that. It's totally forgotten in the wayside, which like it shouldn't be because he was really
0: good in this. He's fantastic in this. And I realized when I, when we're putting together the list of stuff we were going to do for the month of May, not only did I want to make sure we covered this particular film, but I also wanted to make sure we got a particular individual on this one because of, I know of, her shared love of this movie because it was one of your posts, Katie, from, it was probably like last year, maybe even the year before that really inspired this viewing. So uh, that being said, what is your background and experience, you know, your origin with Once Bitten? Uh,
2: once Bitten, I am a, being a child of the eighties, meaning, you know, all of my formative childhood memories of, are from the eighties. Once Bitten is a cable staple, so I watched this over and over and over again. Uh, I realized watching it, because I rewatched it for you guys, because I knew we were going to be talking about that, I realized, guys, that <laughs> Lauren Hutton has greatly influenced my wardrobe choices <laughs> as an adult woman, and it's a little bit shocking, because I have, I mean... I've worn some stuff that goes down to the V with the side boob, and I'm like, holy shit, I am doing like some major Lauren Hutton vibes on this that I completely, I don't know if it blocked it out of my memory, but my subconscious, like, girl, you got this. Come on, do that count, do that countess. Yeah. Um, And in fact, I went to a screening where I did it, um, had to be dressed like the 80s, and someone said I was actually. Catherine Deneuve. I was giving like a Catherine Deneuve Ooh. vibe from The Hunger, but when I look at it, because I had a hat that had like a veil kind of thing, and I was like, "Holy shit! I'm doing Lauren Hunt and Catherine Deneuve like mixed Ooh. together."
0: Oh wow! Oh. I can go
2: to more of these parties don't because you. I'm loving that. Um, oh. one Jim Carrey. This is one of the. It's I totally remember Jim Carrey from this. Like I know when people don't remember this. Before In Living Color, before Earth Girls Are Easy, Mm -hmm. before Jim Carrey became Jim Carrey, um, you can hear those Canadian roots. And he's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. sorry. He didn't mean. I'm (laughs) sorry. Um, But I love, yeah, I love Jim Carrey. Karen Copens, who plays his girlfriend, Mm. she's gorgeous. Um, I'm actually more upset. I mean, I don't feel like she the roles that she played in films after this, like she was in, I remember her in Troop Beverly Hills because she played Craig T. Nelson's girlfriend and was on the phone 24-7 or like away. I don't think she had a single line in that film. And then she was in this movie Creator that came out at the same time where she played um, the dead wife of the scientist that was doing this and she was a ghost so she didn't have any lines during that either. I'm like, girl, you can Speak. You have a
0: voice and she's like, also I, in Jake Speed, which is a if you yeah. have if you haven't seen that one highly recommend it on the Indiana Jones kind of vibe.
2: I haven't seen Jake Speed. I figured it was like an Indiana Jones kind of like the Richard Chamberlain
1: when he did <laughs> that
2: thing with Sharon Stone kind of deal. It's like you guys, it's not it's not just leave India to be India. It's I get what you're doing yeah. You're trying to do the poor man's this you can't get Harrison Ford. So you do these other things. That's fine <laughs> um, But yeah, but then rewatching it's like seeing all the people in it that are oh. um, I mean Megan Mullally Was in this where, where, small. Part.
0: where was she I saw that in the IMDB was she in like in the background she, in the dance scene?
2: No, no, no. She's one of um, Karen Copin's girlfriends that <gasps> when they're talking about, it's like, uh, so are you and Mark really broken oh,
0: up this time? Uh, yeah! Bing, 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 bing. Okay. There it is.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Yeah.
2: Damn it. But the other one, which I'm like, what? Dean freaking Stockwell, as the, um, when the guys go down to Hollywood and they're in the car. And they're following the three girls, and um, the three girls get a, get out at the hotel, mm-hmm. and the um, Mater D at the hotel or whatever he is is like, go, keep moving. And I'm like, is that Dean Stockwell? What the hell that is was, Dean Stockwell? I'm like, is that Dean Stockwell? And then I looked on the IMDb. It's like, holy shit, that was Dean. Dean Stockwell,
1: Stockwell. Ziggy, <laughs> two to Ziggy B. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that's
0: like, I didn't realize what? that. That is bizarre. Th- this this is why beyond the obvious this film is a wealth of riches mm-hmm. for little things like that
2: well and then look at all the friday the 13th connections. yes
1: exactly like, i i had two, to stop friday and like five mm-hmm. we'll, but, yeah yeah we'll, but
0: we
2: kind of touched on that i mean ah oh, god i i mean it really i love this film and yes i do know that dance yeah that boy's mind dance yeah i can do either one I really do want to cosplay Lauren Hutton sometime. Um you know, obviously a few months after COVID cuz I need to you know, like do some sit-ups and stuff yeah. cuz I mean that that outfit she's wearing is not forgiving. At least on the bottom half. <laughs> the Top bottom. half I think I'm all good, guys. The bottom half I need to work on that a little. Bit. Um but yes, I and Cleavon Little oh. uh
0: hey. I okay, so I guess this is about the perfect time to say I like you, Katie, Also grew up with this, with a, again, having HBO back in the day, we always like to say it was cultural currency. You know, you could yeah. get friends if you had HBO. And I also loved this movie, it was a warm blanket. I can quote it frontward to backwards, so I remembered it fondly, right? You know, uh, I tried to figure out an acronym, you know, much like, uh, I, I like to joke, this was this one rivaled Beastmaster, with the amount of times it was on HBO, you know, ultimately, <laughs> of, we'll get to that Coscarelli classic. But I remember it fondly. But at the same time, when I was approaching this, I had little things in the back of my neck, little hairs going, Greg, there were certain things that even back when you watched it, you remember going, Oh, is that problematic or not? I'm not really sure. And like you said, Katie, ultimately, there are some things in this
1: movie that even genius. When's the last time you watched this one? I haven't seen this movie at least 25 years. This has been forever. Ever since I've seen it, and and I had even back in the day I didn't watch it that much. Like I was always like gravitated to other vampire movies. I don't know, maybe like <laughs> like young young Jay was like this is not vampiry enough for me. That's and so like <clears throat> I've seen it before and it's been a minute, but I was like oh yeah, oh yeah, like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that. Ooh, I mean, there was multiple times in here where I was like, that's not cool, Jim Carrey. Or like, I was like, ooh, you shouldn't say that. And like, oh, yeah, I don't know, man. And definitely another time, another place.
0: So let us go ahead and address that. Ultimately, we always, with a lot of 80s films, talk of the casual sexism that goes on, the casual homophobia, uh, the casual racism that you will see peppered throughout but it's just so blasé that you're like wow that -hmm. was very again when you watch it now and i'd like to think i'm not saying woke culture blah 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 but we understand it's better to punch up than it is to punch down yeah you know we are we are aware of things like that there i was thinking going to katie mentioned cleavon little i remember for some reason his performance being problematic in this film in terms of gay representation
1: but it's not. I mean, like he's this manservant. It's
0: I. I when rewatching it, I didn't think it was that bad. However, there's a shower. Everybody scene. Everybody else though. That <laughs> when when we think of shower scenes, some people think Psycho. Right. Some people think Carrie. Sorority thankfully, babes yeah. Thankfully, some no one. School girls. Is thankfully no one is thinking of once bitten. Oh, Porkies, of course. But no one is thinking of once bitten. And there's a reason for that. Um,
1: it starts off with shenanigans and like funny shenanigans because they're trying to find the bite mark on the on the dong artery.
0: All shower shenanigans start that way, genius, innocently.
1: Yeah, it, I don't know if innocent and shower shenanigans <laughs> can be in the same sentence, but I mean, it started like you know, oh, here comes something goofy, and sure enough, something goofy happened, you know, and like, oh, oh, I wonder if this is going to be misconstrued as something else. Yep. Okay, cool. How are they going to handle this in not the right way? That's, that's the answer. Not the
2: right way whatsoever. Yeah.
0: How did you react to this rewatching this, Katie? Because we we even before we started recording, we all kind of addressed it.
2: Well, here I, I admit, like I mean, yeah, like you said, like you said, I could quote this film front and back. Why? I I mean, I think my again with my subconscious yep. had blacked out that part
1: <laughs> Redacted.
2: So hard that when i was re-watching it and that it's like i was actually doing something while it w- i was um re-watching it it was on the background because i was like okay this is the shower scene yeah they're doing this and then i hear that and i was like what? yeah i don't remember this at all And then the next part when they're talking about, it's like, yeah, we just had a prison um, sex scene. And it's like, what? (laughs) Like, wait, did I hold on? Is this (laughs) what we learned about prison sex scenes? Right. Because it's like, I honestly don't remember when I heard about prison. And I'm like, oh, my God. Did once Bitten teach me that? I think it did. I think it did. This is actually like, I don't think that's a good thing to teach me. (laughs) (laughs) See, wow. that
1: that's true. Right. I thought I always thought my uh, the, what introduction was blood in, blood out, but or American me, but might have been the uh, once been because it sure is. It's almost like um, half baked when he's like with a nasty Nate, and then like boom, 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 the soap drops, and then you're like shenanigans, like you know. Oh no!
0: So let's talk the f bomb in the room here, and the
1: multiple,
0: and we're not talking about the word fuck, which is dropped yep. the, at the very end. It is a PG thirteen film, so there are a lot of
1: lines. But yeah, <laughs> she <laughs> has the one line, like "fuck you." Well, <laughs> she gives a great <laughs> line reading there.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, we get the uh, that particular one that you get in the Monster Squad that was just thrown around so casually that I lost count after about seven of them, just repeated over.
2: It, yeah, it's at least 12 to 20, I it's, think. It like, honestly, it was shocking to me how every single one of the people in there said it that were in um, in the um, locker room. And then the guys said it. And then they kept, it's like, it's oh just, my gosh, mm-hmm. it just keeps going. Please stop. <laughs> it's,
0: it became that, you know, we always joke about the Simpsons rake gag. Yeah. This one, it's it wasn't funny to begin with. It, but it stopped on the not funny rather than the funny or absurd. It's you know, like a it's clown just... that's
1: pulling out all these scarves of like uh, like hate epithets, you know? And it's just like, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, stop,
0: stop. This wasn't what I paid for. It was shocking then. It was kind of shocking now. But like I said, in 85, though, we really didn't – I'm not going to say we didn't know any better. It was
1: played for laughs. Yeah. That's the thing. It was played yeah. for laughs. And like – I'm glad we have advanced as a yeah. society. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because like up until like the shower scene shenanigans, okay. Ha ha ha. But then like once that happened, it stopped being funny and started getting real. And like, you know, what I mean, real mean. So like, it was like, oh, okay. But then it kept going on the next scene. And so you're like, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Then finally, like, it just kinda of dropped and faded away. But then you're at still you're just like. Ooh, let's, let, let's get back into the laughs.
0: It, it kind of I'm not going to say it leaves a nasty taste in your mouth because these are our protagonists. These are our heroes of the piece. Again, in 85, and we talked a little bit about genius, but the reason I think I have to ultimately defend this film, not only for the shower scene ultimately, <laughs> but the fact that we were talking about, you, *You Shaun of the Dead and Hatchet 2 are easily identified as horror comedies. Mm-hmm. I think with Once Bitten... You probably wouldn't find this in the horror section. You'd find this
1: in the comedy section.
0: I think you truly would find it in the comedy section, which is why...
1: Hatchet, hatchet was more horror comedy. Yes. This is more comedy
0: horror. Which why is why I ultimately... I don't think I have to defend it because there are enough horrific elements beyond the shower scene, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, but I want to go into Katie just in terms of... Uh, where. Do, uh, let's talk about Cleavon Little and his performance. I always, when I grew up with him, I always loved, the, the, the character made me laugh. The, the whole line, the, his, his line delivery of, ooh, rough trade, after being asked if he wants his crotch burned, it made me laugh in 1985, and damn it, it made me laugh in 2020. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let me throw this out to you all. Is his performance problematic?
1: I will go first on this. Um, yeah. I don't know if I can like fully say, because I'm... Perspective. Yeah, perspective. But at the same time, I don't think so. He was a real, realized character. He um, was himself. He was commanding respect from all the other vampires. And he just did his own thing. I mean, for example, like, even though there was a plate for joke that they did it twice, get out of the closet. And he goes, I've been out of the closet for centuries. And it's just,
0: he's comfortable with himself. He wasn't the butt of the joke. No,
1: he wasn't the butt of any jokes. He was the one, like, "Mm, making the jokes. So, like, I don't think it was bad representation for Cleavon Little. Now, everybody else, like what they did the shower scene, yeah, sure, that's sure. terrible bad representation. Of course. But Cleveland Little himself I don't think is problematic. What do you think on that, Katie?
2: I I will agree on that because, I mean, he he was a champion for the vampire and it's like, is he a vampire? Is Or is he a familiar? It
1: has to be a familiar, that's, but he's been around for centuries. Right?
2: He's been around for centuries, yeah. But, um... It's funny. Uh, No, I would say, yeah, I would say he's not because it's like actually uh, rewatching True Blood. He kind of reminds me of the um, husband of the king of Mississippi. Um, King the yeah, the husband of the king of Mississippi. And it's like he just knows who he is. He's Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the confident to the countess he's um her cheerleader her champion yeah he also is in charge of all the other um of all the baby vampires and and whatnot and he doesn't try to compromise like who he is at all uh so no i guess no i would not call him um, problematic i just thought he was amazing and it's like i um wanted him to be like i don't know <laughs> my I butler my I confidant and just the way it's like, how does my hair look like, like freshly spun wheat? It's like, can you just come to my house and help put makeup on me? Like, like, I just like you.
0: <laughs> I really like that bit. Cause you think about the fact that she can't look, in a, look mirror, in a mirror. So you would have to have someone put your own makeup on. There are little bits to the vampire lore that they added that I really liked that little bit. And the fact that with the countess that she has to draw the, you know, the blood of a virgin three times before Halloween to retain her youthful visage, Mm -hmm. which you don't see a lot in movies at that time. They
1: didn't necessarily kill for food. No, no, no. In fact, very
0: rarely do you see them kill at all, Um, which, again, very light on the horror elements for the most part, but the fact that it it is a boner jam played (laughs) with a little bit of vampires. The main thrust, pun intended, is the fact that all the Jim Carrey and his friends, they're all trying to score. Hard bodies. <laughs> and, there, and there it is. There's your connection. This does fall in that line. You know,
1: Katie, you mentioned Porky's in the shower scene. This might be what happens if fraternity vacation melts you know fright with night? Fright Night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this might be what happens. <laughs> well, you know, and it takes all the tropes that you would find.
0: And the, fa- the fact that the, the beginning of the film Number one, I and I don't know if any of you ever looked for a place like this, but like that place in 80s films where everyone parks that to try to score. And it's just everyone recognizes that's the
1: area. Like a lovers Lane. Oh.
2: Oh, my God. What's so funny you're mentioning that is that I actually um, saw some friends of ours today and I brought up that scene because when um, I brought up that scene in contrast to when uh, Jim Carrey's girlfriend is like, wait a minute. So there was a guy there that saw you, um, that saw her bite off your buttons, and I'm like, "Okay, wait, sweetheart, can we go back to where you were in a parking lot where you had people whose asses were in the air <laughs> gyrating up and down, whose legs were sticking out a car window, which, again, being a child in the '80s, that you know, I, I obviously you knew, knowing what I know now as an adult." That couldn't have been sex. I don't know what that was.
1: It was exercise. But it but was those
2: people were not having sex. Actually, at least she wasn't. I don't know what she was having. But with her legs out the car window, that there's no way that was going on. But you were fine sitting there, but then you're chastising him with the button biting off. Like in someone looking. It's like, what? <laughs> and also, ew. Ew! That all oh, that's like i don't know maybe i'm a private oh i don't yeah.
1: know no i was thinking the same thing i don't want to go to a place where a bunch of people are fucking around and i'm going to go to fuck around too that just seems like unsanitary and it also seems like it also seems like i, I kind of want a little bit of privacy in my yeah, in in my like shenanigans, I guess you'd call it, but it was just so weird. But the thing about it is, it's just something that got, it's something that really got me about it. Like I know it's a it's boner jam staples, but like our hero basically was like, well, since I'm not can't get any good action from a girlfriend from six years, I might as well go get it with Vampire Lauren Hutton, you know. And I'm not understa- I'm not saying like you know, okay, Vampire Lauren Hutton, but it was just like that situation. You're like, oh, come on, man, <laughs> you know. It was just kind of like, ah. She's lively, lovely, and you're over there like, well, I'm leaving because, you know, I can't get what I want. And it's like, our hero, ladies and gentlemen, you know?
2: <laughs> well, in, in her defense, too, it's like, one, okay, so you expect her to lose her virginity in the front seat?
1: Of an ice I mean, cream truck!
2: It's an ice cream truck who, obviously, someone who had already had coitus was hungry and wanted some ice cream. <laughs> when... Everyone else was getting their jam on. It's like, hey, buddy, you, you got some stuff I mean, I'm, I'm 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 all spent. So uh let's, you know.
1: Cause sometimes Whoa. you want a push up and a push up. So That's right. <laughs> Oh lord. Well,
0: Katie, you had mentioned the Friday the thirteenth connection and this is where
1: yeah, hey, no, this is the th- there you go.
0: if anything, this character's got a thing for sugar. Yeah, at does. least with his characters that he goes. Uh, the late Dominic Braskin or Bascon, uh, who played yeah. Joey. And Friday the 13th, part five, who met his demise when
1: asking for, you know, inquiring (laughs) on the candy bar. candy bars and now he's like, hey, you got any? I was kind of waiting for like, hey, you got any ice cream? No. And then like suicide just (laughs) just (laughs) just bashes his skull (laughs) in as he turns around.
0: He was actually trying to score in his old
1: Cadillac from Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. (laughs) Over just a few cars down, I think. With trash. It's a way of life. No, but like when I saw it, I was like, well, that's Joey. Like that's Roy's boy. And right. That's what I said. Like, Roy's boy. And so I was like, I had to make sure. So I literally paused the movie, went to the IMDb and like, sure as shit it is. And I'm like trying to get some sweets. Do you think ultimately between your experience and Katie's experience, this is
0: the ultimate like IMDb movie because you're constantly going, wait, is that such and such? Oh, it is. Yeah.
2: Almost, well, somewhat, because then it's like to, um, you know, yeah, after Joey, um, <laughs> obviously someone took care of his rocket, so he wanted to get another rocket at the ice cream stand. <laughs> then you've got, yeah, then you've got Stuart, you um, like that? Stuart, then you've got Stuart Charno, yes. who's in Friday the 13th Part 2, yes. who played mm-hmm. um, Ted in that, who was one of the vampires, and I was like, holy crap. And then, it's like when I was looking more, It's maybe it is my IMDb, because then you've got Jeb Stuart Adams, who's in um, Flowers in the Attic, with Christy Swanson, <gasps> who was the World War, yep, who was the World War One vampire. Oh my God.
1: Get out of town.
2: Yeah. He played, yeah.
1: It's a rogues gallery. And I was like, I know that J- gangly ginger. So <laughs> yep. Well, he also famously shows up in Just One of the Guys.
0: Yep. And yep. that's what I love is there are some of those, those guys, those gals within genre that just float and they work so perfectly because, you know, he's actually one of the few counselors to survive a Friday, the 13th film. So I'd like to yeah. think he got his start in just one of the guys, went to camp, and then ultimately somehow got vamped out at a, uh, you know, Civil War reenactment, potentially.
1: <laughs>
2: Well, he just got drunk. Just, he just yeah. got drunk. He didn't even go back. It's like I don't know how many counselors were still at the bar just getting wasted, and ready too. And they didn't go back. It's like, little well, let's just get drunk. <laughs>
1: <Woo>! <laughs> but about the vampires, their little stable of vampires. I really, it wasn't totally needed. It wasn't necessary, but they gave them all little backstories with their dress and their coffins, and I really appreciated that because the whole scene of them in there. Two things in the whole white room with all their coffins. I was expecting two things. One, I was waiting to look at their coffins and see what was going on. And two, I was waiting for Michelle Johnson to come in, like and like spot, pop bottles, basically, and like waxworks and shit. And I was like waiting because I was like vampires, white room, coffins, yeah. <laughs> right? But no. But I really appreciate like I was like looking. And looking at the coffins, because the Civil War had had a Civil War coffin with yep. the Johnny Reb yep. and all that stuff. And the World War Two had, like, Andrew's sister pictures and shit in it. And I was like, you know, that's a nice touch. That's a really nice touch to give those little, like, goofy vampires their own backstory.
0: It, it works. She's got her crew. And the fact that they talk about the importance of her retaining her youth and vitality is so she can protect them. Because he had mentions a few times, you lose her protection, which I love the fact that... Maybe. And as they show in, you know, L.A., Hollywood in the 80s, being a vampire is tough. Yeah. (laughs) Ultimately. Um, Bottom line, is this a funny film? Let me throw that out to you guys. Do you find yourself laughing? We've talked about the cringe moments. We've talked about some of the horror elements. Is this a funny film?
2: I think so. Yes. Um, Is it a sexist film? Yes. (laughs) Is it a misogynistic film? Yes. Is there blatant homophobia? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and but I mean, you've got a female antagonist who's above the age of thirty who is killing it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, and it's funny. Like, oh, I mean, the scene with the telephone bar. When oh, yes. uh I mean, everything about that. Oh, did daddy hurt his hand? Oh um, okay. I mean, there's so many things in that scene that, again, if they redid this film, which I think they could. And I would love to see um, Angelina Jolie cast as a countess. I think oh. she would do an amazing job. Yeah. Like age range, everything. But there's so many things. That would have to change, but that phone scene is uh, that phone bar is one of the funniest things. Is there
1: such a thing as a phone bar? I mean, like, was was that a thing? Because, like, I'm looking at all these different '80s movies, and when I first saw them, there was no way I was old enough to go into these places, and so I don't know if these things actually exist or not, or have existed, like, like tech noir or something, you know? Like, but is this? Is there? Was there a place where you'd go and like? Hey, you've reached, yeah. what did his shirt say? The freelance gynecologist, like on his shirt, you know what and, and he was even being like super swarthy, like, you've reached stud hotline, you know? And it's just like, so you, these things did exist?
2: Yeah, studs are us. Well, I mean, you know, he was a Sagittarius, so yeah. I mean. He...
0: Okay, okay. I've got it right in front of me. That is a line. His whole shtick was something that stuck in the back of my head that I thought as a young man, much like Eugenius, that if you went out to these clubs, you had to have something I'm like that in your quiver, right? Yeah, I like
1: long walks on the
0: beach. He's a mature person. You're a mature person. So why don't we just skip all the bullshit, get rid of our inhibitions, and do what we really want to do?
2: <laughs> he, I mean, let's face it. He's a Inigo Mantoya of um, <laughs> vampire comedies. Like
0: <laughs> It's... I... Much like Eugenius, I was obsessed with finding a bar like that with having a pickup line, but the decor in that bar, there is a ridiculously oversized
1: phone that is sitting yes. back there. It looks like Xanadu. It, lo- <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the, now that they are there.
0: <laughs> I whoever the production designer on this film needs to be recommended recomm- because I want to visit that place. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to go with you all and be able to call people. There's
1: Welcome to the Hot Booty Hotline. Oh. Press one for hot booty. Press two if your booty is hot.
0: <laughs> see, see, genius already has his the arrow in his quiver. <laughs> like, you were made for this kind of a bar. Um, <laughs> the fact that, ultimately, and again, here comes your another time another place. warning, and the casual transphobia, potentially. Can we...
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that 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 was definitely another one that I was like, oh, man, because he's like, nope, and then he gets up, and I'm like, uh,
0: But again, it would be handled differently, but the fact that this place is raided, and the fact that the guy pulls out a gun in the midst of that, again, mad capery that just in your vampire comedy, but it is the, the turning point to get Jim Carrey and Lauren Hutton together, and I'll throw this out to you, good chemistry between them, I mm-hmm. would say. Like and again, 1985, Jim Carrey. This is nine years before uh, Ace Ventura. This is a young Jim Carrey, and I'll be honest, you could tell he was one of the re- he was one of the things that always stuck out to me in the movie. And Genius and I were talking about it. There's only a few times when you really get to see him kind of really Become Jim Carrey. Jerry,
1: Jim Carrey, yeah.
0: And there's that moment yep. in the in the uh, the when Robin is working when she's in the merry-go-round. Oh, merry-go-round. <laughs> But you get bits of that, that Carrie mania where it just, you know, you see it in the face in his over exaggerations and you're like, wow, there's something to that guy. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's just kind of a joy to see his journey that he's gone through from a little genre film like this to to being Jim Carrey, to he is like an entity. Yeah. The fact that so many people that get started, they all have their roots in genre for the most part. And I'm curious do you know does he embrace this movie is this something that he like unlike like John Cusack like for the longest time like disowned uh, better off dead mm-hmm. you know Aniston doesn't like leprechaun little things like that I'm I'd like to think in my heart of hearts he can embrace it but do you, any of you know by any chance
2: I don't I actually don't hear him talk much no. about his past films Yeah mm-hmm. I do I feel like I hear him talk more about in living color than um, any of his um, past films. Like, I honestly don't recall him talking about, like, Earth Girls Are Easy or what? this. Um, even he was in a, a TV show uh, with Lori Laughlin where they played brother and sister, that, where he was had a dramatic role, and he was really good in that. Again, yeah. I think this was before In Living Color, like, doing yeah. time on something drive um i forget it was late 80s like maybe 90 or something and that i thought he was fantastic but yeah i don't i don't recall him talking about um really anything in his past
1: Hmm. Yeah, and you know what I don't either but if he doesn't regard this film as one that he should treasure he should because this is a good movie and like you pose the question is this movie funny I'm going to say yes the laundry the laundromat scene had me cracking oh, up okay. and just the whole like the joke where like he comes back and then he's in the dryer just something funny and simplistic about that and when that line finally does work like, let's geez. just be mature oh. she's like alright cool let's do it and he's like now wait a minute wait a minute whoa hold on hold on hold on You know, so like, yeah. I've often mentioned before, again, I saw
0: this film at a very formative age when I was entering my teens. So ultimately, I always understood and identified with that. And this sounds so horrible, but that drive to score. Because when you're a high school kid and a virgin.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, being raised on 80s and 90s movies, just, just what we do. So I always identified with
0: Buddy from just one of the guys. You know, I understood that desire. So movies like this always spoke to me as a kid. And like I said, the clubbing scenes, those lines that I just assumed you had to have was just so horrible when I realized in reality that doesn't exist, that doesn't work. Like, you're a creep if you do things like that. There are, reality has no place in the affairs of the heart of the film fan, ultimately, mm-hmm. is what it comes down to, I think, with a lot of that. Um, another scene that's a standout, the dance scene. This oh, is a, yes!
1: This is a film set in the 80s, you know what? And another peek into like Carrie's physicality His and talents. goofiness yeah um we talked a
0: little bit about the soundtrack uh, the score of this film is wonderful by John DePerez but the 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 song they're dancing to and i've got a little bit here try not to dance here as we're talking but here's a little taste I like it. Now what you don't see, of course, is Katie is like beyond she's doing the guitar leg. It's everything.
2: <laughs> I could do that. I used to be able to do that. I actually did that um for a in high school. Many years later, I actually did that guitar leg in um a assembly for a dance team. And I guarantee you no one knew what that was from. So sorry, Jim Carrey, maybe I um plagiarized your dance leg. Uh, but maybe the film should have done better. I don't know. Um...
0: <laughs> it For no, me, you know. it's, I'm not going to say it's an all-timer, but it definitely fits within your 80s tropes that you would find, especially after, um, obviously, Footloose and how that became. You know, you
1: couldn't probably get the movie funded without a dance scene like that. So the interesting thing about the dance scene to me, like, one, it's not every day that your protagonist goes against a head immortal vampire with not only a dance battle but an interpretive dance battle because it basically played out the entire movie before and after the dance scene right there in that dance battle and like (laughs) i was impressed with it i was like this movie this dance battle is awesome it's the dream one day i'll have two people dance battling over my affections and i will be like i know i have made it and then after that that party looked fucking rad. That Halloween party. And then you did you notice in the background when they went to the high school at the party, they had all those old school Halloween decorations, decorations. that were fucking slick. Yeah. I was just watching the whole time like, man, this looks like a dope Halloween party. I want to dance with Lauren Hutton and Jim Carrey and like fucking go see some cool decorations. And so like, yeah, that dance scene was aces. And that's where you get like a lot of good where she shows off um where the girlfriend shows off a lot of like spunk yeah. and moxie, like Fuck you, Lauren Hutton. This is my man. (laughs) Hands off. He belongs to me.
0: (laughs) Well, the fact that in uh, again a vampire film in 1985, you have. The dance nightclub scene in Fright Night. Count Shabadoo. Like. <laughs> Saving the um, the decrepit uh, you know crypt. Mm-hmm. The, 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 yeah, of course, the, of the course. The
1: youth rec center in Mortuary. Like.
0: <laughs> uh, but the score itself is phenomenal as well. And the guy that scored it also did the score for A Fish Called Wanda. Which oh, is, nice. Yes, which is another one of those that I can instantly hear. But I think it adds a little bit of elegance to it, much like how uh, Brad Fidel did with Fright Night. And I think these two films would pair really interestingly as a double feature where you have more of a chaste film Mm -hmm. that would be maybe even gateway horror potentially and then transition into more adult horror with Fright Night. Yeah.
2: No, I could totally see that. I mean, one, there's so many similarities with the whole like... Got to lose my virginity. Mm-hmm. I'm a guy. You're a girl. Let's do it. Um, and it's like, okay, calm down. Uh, <laughs> and the fun parents who are somewhat clueless. Oh. And then you've got the vampire that's overly, I mean, the very sexy. Like, what are you even doing in this town, vampire? Um, which it's really, with the houses that are so immense, yeah, you yeah. only see very small portions of them. Especially in this film, it's like, it's more of the underground, but one of the things I'm noticing when I was um, watching it, when um, Mark goes to the Countess's house and he walks in, I'm like, I don't know where this is, you just showed like Something. a giant duplex of a house that was a mansion, and you're in this like teeny tiny little apartment place with this little bar, it's like, where's this mansion, girl? Where's yeah. this mansion? Um, but no, I could totally see this being a great pairing. Uh, yeah. And with the, although I do like the Countess's familiar more than, um, Jerry Dandridge's. Oh, um,
0: we, we don't, we don't
1: knock a uh, Billy. Billy there. There that's just. But G- one, one thing, yeah, no, oh, barely. <laughs> but like one thing, you when he brought up about the house, like I thought they played some of the vampire tropes really nice because she totally lives in a castle, like the the outside and that that big, like you said, the mansion, and inside it was all big and like a a castle, like. Castle Von Eighties, you know, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. like everything was super eighties. Even and even, even uh, Cleveland Little mentioned it. He goes like, "Well, they're like, why does he get this new deluxe coffin? And we still got it, like, it's the eighties, please." His his delivery of chicken mac nuggets.
0: Chicken
2: s- mac nuggets. We're going
0: to suburbia. Suburbia
1: disdain. Suburbanite.
0: Suburbanite. Yes, like, <laughs> another title. Ninety class of nineteen eighty four. It's gonna forever haunt us. I'm afraid. Um the the fact that Jim Carrey's transformation throughout, I like the fact that we initially, his whole thing is he likes well-done meat, has to be burned, to the fact that we get the extra rare egg burger, which I think we should all incorporate into our breakfast routine. Oh, rotation. good morning.
1: Burgers are delicious, dude. <laughs> and the fact that at
0: the dance, everyone is commenting on his... Good
1: vampire costume. It's not a costume! It's not so, a
0: costume! It's a way of life. Yeah. It is a way of life. <laughs> And I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that when he's handing out ice cream, what does he pull there, uh, Genius? He pulls out a bomb
1: pop. And he pulls a... a the push-up. Oh, and then he goes, here you go. Here's one for you. And then, here you go, my blood. And then I was like, another time, another place. I was going to say he pulls the peewee. Oh, that's right. He does. He totally pulls the peewee on there when the kids are like, hey, you want some ice cream? And he comes up, "Ah," you know, and it's like hilarious i don't know what it is about those hiss vampire hiss or are like creature hiss they're funny hilarious they're always funny especially always. when they scare children or like tim burton you're on our turf <laughs> <laughs>
0: um it all culminates with a showdown here where ultimate and i should say between the button biting and the awkwardness of button biting the button biting is something that it comes annoys. into
1: play multiple times it
0: does ultimately um the final scene here where th- th- this coffins, you know, a rockin', don't come a knocking or what have you. Um, the fact that she comments like they were in there, it, they were only under there a minute, like it couldn't be that long. And then, you know, he pops up and I'm not going to say that cl- hit close to home for a first time or anything, but I was like. Yeah, that kind of yeah. called it for me back yeah. in the day. no, I was like, yep,
1: shoot your shot. We went to the parade right the second round, but like, yeah, <laughs> but it was funny because, like, there's no way that they, you only been less than a minute. And then, like, she goes, oh, yeah, that's true. You yeah. can't. <laughs> okay. Well, but, you,
2: and, but it's it's the line after, though, yeah, that she, even though they come up from the coffin, they both have, are having cigarettes. It's what Lauren ha- Hunton says, like, but you couldn't have enjoyed it. And I'm like, <laughs> girl, you're right. They could not have, because the way she looks, she's like, "You're too late." Yeah, you're too late. It's like, mm. and I think that would have been a quick um, in and out, and then it's like, "Okay, done. You're done." <laughs> the,
1: the 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 smile was more for the victory as opposed yeah. to like, like the journey. Another
0: fu to the Countess. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um
1: She's taking one for the team. Like
0: <laughs> So apparently a number of other actors were looked at as for the part of the Countess. Um Katie Shaker. So do you remember a few of those that were out there?
2: Uh Kathleen Turner. Yes. They really wanted Kathleen Turner for yeah. the part of the Countess, which it's funny, I was actually just looking up her age, and if they had done that. The uh, Kathleen Turner and Karen Copens would have been like, I think, four years apart in age when they're supposed to be she's supposed to be like a teenager and stuff. And I like the fact that Lauren Hutton, like who was, I think, 42 or 43 at the time, because Kathleen Turner would have been 31. I think I like the fact that Lauren Hutton actually um, got the role.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. she was oh yeah genius deal breaker not a deal breaker in my notes multiple times and even her uh, license plate life sucks like <laughs> yeah.
0: she, and the fact that she at the very end I'm an atheist crosses do nothing for me well, but fire
1: yeah okay okay she's
0: very fire. much a, oh, yeah. a new wave and you know when we're introduced to her the fact that she's rocking like the greatest 80s like workout gear like immediately she's just down yeah. she
1: is un- unbelievable the fact that she has an exercise bike next to her coffin You know, I'm like, I thought vampires don't like change, but apparently, you know. Takes a lot of work to maintain that physique. Virgin
0: blood, what have you. And even then that little bit when she's sniffing the blood and she's like, ooh, Austrian peasant. You know, just little bits like that that really makes the world kind of feel lived in Mm -hmm. for an absurd little, you know, 80s horror comedy. So final thoughts here as we wrap things up on Once Bitten. I'm glad I revisited. It made me laugh. It did feel like a comforting old blanket and a warm embrace. But there was those moments that we talked about that ultimately we understand now. You when you watch films from this age, you have to sometimes go in just knowing context and just knowing that it was a different time another time. Another place. And I think that I can understand why people want to critique it. I understand. But at the same time I know it exists. You can't get rid of it. We've a lot of people have, you know, Learned from it, gotten gotten better. So, uh, Katie, final thoughts?
2: No, I I love Once Bitten. I definitely, uh, you know, like I I think all films from the '80s. I need to rewatch it before I (laughs) let children that I know watch it. Just it's like because there are definitely parts that you don't remember. And I mean, I remember stuff from Goonies. Like I remember them saying shit that much because it just went over my head and stuff like that. And with this again, I do not remember that <laughs> them saying that in the shower that much. Like I remember the thing. I remember the shower, but I don't remember. But I mean, seeing you know, I love seeing uh, Lauren Hutton. I love seeing like female, like women, like actual an actual woman. Uh, like antagonist, like doing her thing and like owning her sexuality and it's like, ooh. Mm. No, it's great. And it's it's funny too, because I know we talked about Lauren um Kathleen Turner was possibly up and then Michael J. Fox was up for uh
1: For March. Jim yeah.
2: yeah. He can't but be a werewolf uh,
1: fan of vampire.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I guess the producer said that he can never see um Michael J. Fox yeah. like um being the lead in a film. Uh.
0: You the Which, same fine. year. Yeah. So,
2: let's get your Canadian brother, Jim Carrey, and that's all good. And I loved it. And I love that he got to show his, um, his little side that we then, you know, as we got older, got to see. So, yeah, I like this film. You just need to make sure, like, you know, do earmuffs for the kids.
1: Genius. <laughs> oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. This was a great rewatch. I mean, a really good rewatch and, like, a funny vampire movie. One that, like, it's just, again, you have to take it with a grain of salt with any 80s movies. You're going to have to kind of yeah. know what you're getting into because PG's weren't PG's. Yeah. So, but, like you said, it was a funny, nice little vampire tale. Something you don't, like, see every day. Like, a rom- you always see the romance in the vampires and you even yeah. see the humor in the vampires but you don't see, like, a romantic comedy vampire movie. Yeah. Like, a goofy one.
0: Well, I mean, you've got, like, the Dracula dead and loving it. Yeah. You've got the George Martin, the, oh my God. Uh, uh
1: the, late the vampire s- one. Um, the
0: late 70s one. Love at first bite, I believe. Yes, that's right. You know, so I mean, you know, it's not uncommon to find, but like I said, it's truly an 80s sex comedy. This
1: is an 80s, 80s yeah.
0: 80s movie. And yeah. definitely a throwback, but one I'm glad we all enjoyed. So I'm curious to see what you all thought of it. So hit us up on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, Facebook Nightmare Junkhead. Katie, thank you so much sincerely for you know taking the time out to chat to share reminisce and go through the ptsd apparently for all of us next time you come into town
1: we're gonna have a dance battle
2: oh <gasps> oh hands off yeah no i gotcha <laughs> which,
0: which
2: is gonna be it's that's fine i mean other that's other than the fact that I can do both the Karen Copens and Lauren H- hunting parts, like you, that's fine. I'm fine. You losing, that's no problem. Dang, I'm gonna let you be wrong, I'm you be wrong friend. I'm gonna I, let
1: you be wrong. I can't even do like an arm guitar, let alone a leg guitar. So, like, yeah, you might <laughs> you might win this battle. But
0: so, while everyone we are still in quarantine and need entertainment again, where can our listeners find you out on the uh, online area there?
2: Uh, online, uh, You can find me on Instagram, The Blonde in Front, my YouTube channel, The Blonde in Front, Facebook, The Blonde in Front. And that is it right now. And then I should be uh, going yep. doing a weekly program soon with Curl TV.
0: Excellent, excellent. So thank you again for taking the time out. Thank you, Genius, as always. And thank everyone out there for listening. Mm-hmm. We've got two more episodes that we're going to be focused on here, horror comedies. Mm-hmm. And I believe the one that we're going to be closing out here, we are going to have some special guests. Again, I can't say anything until it happens because I don't want to jinx it. Right. But keep on laughing out there. So until the next time, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Bye.